Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the second episode of the Candidly Caitlin podcast. First, I just want to say thank you to everyone who listened to my first episode last week. I got quite a few responses and just fe- general feedback about the episode, and so I really want to encourage people to give me that. I do want to use it to make this podcast better as I go forward. I know that there were some issues with the audio levels or the sound, and I think I fixed it, so hopefully you can already tell the difference. And with that being said, we are just going to jump right into our topic for today. Today, we are talking about fat phobia. And again, if you follow me on Instagram, candidly underscore Caitlin, I did start the conversation there introducing the topic. What is fat phobia? How it manifests itself? And, you know, what are some of the origins of fat phobia as well? So when we think about it, we there, it's no secret that we live in a society that values thinner bodies over bigger ones. But on a personal level, I don't think I necessarily noticed this until high school because I did grow up in a black household where all of the women in my family were bigger. They had hips, they had booties, you know, they had figures. And so I actually was super skinny growing up. And my mom would often make fun of me. My family members would make fun of me for being so skinny. My mom sometimes would call me skinny mini. And I really hated it and all the jokes that she would make about my shape at the time. And before y'all come at me, I'm not about to like pull up my life was so hard because I was skinny card. You know, I'm just I'm just talking about my personal experience with this topic. And so when I got to high school, though, I went to an all girls independent school called Marymount's on the Upper East Side of New York. And you can probably guess that it was a majority white school. I was one of three black girls in my graduating class of 54 girls. And so besides all the issues that come with being one of very few black girls in a predominantly white space, And that's definitely a topic that we'll talk about at another point in time. It was also a time when I started to develop my body. I started to see hips. I started to see a booty. All of that started developing. And I realized pretty early on that I was built differently than all of the other girls in my class. And so when we would have conversations around body image, what ideal beauty standards or body standards we had, they always made me extremely uncomfortable because I never looked like the women that they admired besides, you know, the occasional Beyonce that everyone would throw on their list because everyone finds Beyonce attractive. I knew that I just wasn't built like that. Even if I were to starve myself, I would never have like the thigh gap that was so popular at the time. And I could remember the Victoria's secret fashion shows, which happen yearly. And you know, it's, it's like a big show. They have performers, all of that. And when I tell you that some of the girls in my school and in my class would talk for days on end about this fashion show, I'm not kidding. It was days. It was definitely unhealthy. But they would talk about, you know, which models were their favorite, which ones they wanted to look like. And these conversations really did get to me. Like I said, high school is a very formative age. I'm starting to develop my figure and the imagery that I'm seeing around me is not, it just doesn't look like me. And I never watched the Victoria's Secret fashion show because I knew that I, would, I wouldn't see anyone built like me, and I would rarely see someone who even had the same complexion as me. So it just wasn't for me. Um, but have y'all ever been around someone, and they're, like, significantly smaller than you, and I'm talking a few sizes smaller, and they're talking about how unattractive they are, how fat they think they are, how disgusting they are, and you're sitting there, sizes sizes larger than them, just thinking, like, If that's how you think of yourself, how do you think of me? 
that was me in high school. And they would give me compliments about my body, tell me how much they liked my shape, but it really just contradicted the imagery and the conversations that they were having around body standards in front of me. And it always made me so uncomfortable. Obviously, as I've gotten older, I've definitely gained more weight. I'm actually at my heaviest right now that I've ever been. And I've really struggled over the past few years with that weight gain and how I viewed myself because of it. And so there's been a few times where I've even felt just unattractive or undesirable because I'd gained so much weight. And part of that is because I did play sports in high school. I was a three-season sports player, and I did have more of an athletic build. But at this point, I, I don't know how long it's been since I've even picked up a basketball or, or a baseball or anything like that. But it's also these internalized feelings that somehow being fat makes me unworthy. And I really had to unlearn those thoughts and learn to love my body in all of its stages. And again, that's really rooted in what society tells us. It's rooted in my time at Marymount. You know, I was a, a thick black girl surrounded by skinny white girls or, you know, what was considered thick compared to the body shapes that were around me. And obviously that does not do wonders for my self-esteem. And again, I'm still learning to this day to unlearn those beliefs and those thoughts. So when we talk about this internalized feeling that, you know, fat is somehow being unworthy or being unattractive, we're talking about this idea of fat phobia. And it's this fear and this dislike of fat people or being fat yourself and the stigmatization of individuals with bigger bodies. And so on my Instagram post, I highlighted that the presence of fat phobia can be seen on three different levels. The internal level, so how you view yourself the interpersonal level, how you look at other people, and the institutional level, obviously how our society really functions in discriminating against those who are heavier. And the origin of fat phobic beliefs within our society can be traced back to the Enlightenment during the 17th and the 18th century. And I actually didn't plan it this way, but it is interesting that I'm doing this podcast directly after my first one on sexualization because There are definitely some parallels in the way that sexuality and the way that body image have been racialized. So if you don't remember or if you didn't watch episode one, which you should definitely go do or listen to episode one, I talked about some of the historical stereotypes against black women, which have depicted black women as being overly sexual, being aggressive, as using sex to emasculate men. And similarly, depictions of black people as being fat, greedy, savages, have led to current stigmas that we have around fatness. And I'm reading a book right now. I started reading it in preparation for this podcast and also just to, you know, become more educated myself on the issue. And it's called Fearing the Black Body. It's by Sabrina Stringer. It's a pretty popular book, so I'm sure some people have heard of it. But if you haven't, it's a historical account of how this preference for thinness originated really as a way of distinguishing at the time, black poor people and white rich people. It was a way of class distinction. And she talks about how these racialized attitudes became ingrained in our culture and contributed to what she calls the crusade against obesity within the field of medicine. And her book really speaks to how the interpersonal level, how we look at other people, leads to, or how it led to, in this case, institutional biases and stigmas against heavier, at the time, black people. And there's this heavily used quote says, you know, that obesity is the second leading cause of preventable death in the United States. And we see this said a lot, a lot today. And it really speaks to her idea of this crusade against obesity. And this quote is used to shame fat people for what we assume are their eating habits or their workout habits. 
But it's just, the quote is actually just incorrect. It comes from a 2004 study that claimed that 350,000 deaths a year were attributed to being overweight. And then um, I believe that the first cause of death was smoking. However, there was a reanalysis done that was re released later, which basically means that someone looked at the data and found different results or was counter c contradicting the original results. And they found that the number of deaths that were attributed to being over overweight was only 25,000. So that's a 94% decrease in what was originally stated. But this statement, you'll still see it heavily used, especially by people within the healthcare profession, within the medical fields. And it's really used to scare people who are either fat or not fat into thinking, you know, that fat people are going to die because of their weight and to further some of the stigmas that we see against fat people. And there's actually a study that found that people classified as being overweight actually live longer than those of quote unquote normal weight. And obviously we can't take that as a fact. Um, one study doesn't, isn't necessarily indicative of a larger statement of fact. But it does counter the way that this fear-mongering is used to stigmatize fat, fatness. And so at the same time, diet culture has really become such a huge part of how our society functions. And I'd be lying if I said that I haven't tried dieting. I think I've done, I've done keto. I've done month-long shreds or meal plans. I've done juice cleansing for a week. And there's also, you know, an influx of ads from influencers online for things like flat tummy teas which i've also tried or the youtube videos on what i eat in a day to lose weight and people you know people aimlessly follow these because they think oh if i eat what they eat if i do what they they do i'll look like them i'll be skinny like them i'll have the same shape as them and it's terrible because the truth is for some people even if you or most people i should say even if you ate exactly what someone else ate and you did the exact same workouts as them, your body just won't react the same. It just won't look the same. And even if you do lose the weight, the chances of you gaining it back plus more increases when you stop whatever diet you've done, whatever like fad you're following. I've had experiences with that where I've done keto for a couple weeks, dropped pounds, then I stopped doing keto and your body like bounces back and you gain the weight right back. So dieting can actually be very unhealthy for you, especially if you do it in an unhealthy way. And diet culture heavily influences the weight bias that we have within the society. It influences how we see the health of fat people. We often make assumptions around a person's health based on what their size is. And I don't know about y'all, but I've seen some skinny people who have extremely unhealthy diets and do not work out ever. But no one would ever make an assumption that a skinny person has high blood pressure or diabetes or anything like that. I was actually thinking about this a few weeks back when Saweetie, who's a rapper, she posted a video of her eating like a McChicken sandwich from McDonald's on Instagram. And it was loaded with like French fries. She had like some type of, I think it was sweet and sour sauce on it, whatever the case may be. And when I tell y'all the comments were like, oh my God, she's so down to earth. I love her so much. She's so relatable. Like I do this too, blah, blah, blah. Very positive. And I'm not saying that the comments should have been negative, but you know, it also connects to this trend a few years back on Instagram where there would be photos of skinny girls sharing 
photos of you know eating them eating very unhealthy meals and it was to show how down to earth they were how relatable they were and then on the other hand you see someone like Lizzo and I do hate to bring up her name because somehow people have made her like the poster child for fat people um but if she even breathes wrong people are in her comments like oh my god you fat fuck you know why do you exist blah 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 and it's crazy because and it's so bizarre to witness because it really shows how obsessed this society is and how people in general are with having what we call quote-unquote acceptable bodies and it's also indicative of how people react to those they they deem attractive versus those they don't but that's a very specific topic for another day so you know on top of making assumptions about people's diets based on their weight the medical field has really associated being fat with things like diabetes and heart disease and the language that is used often implies or even just directly states that obesity can cause these things y'all remember when people would say um correlation does not equal causation this is a prime example of that yes these diseases or outcomes are more common in heavier people but just because they seem like they're related it doesn't mean that the relationship is a causal one so if i were to say you know, there was a study that said that ice cream sales in New York City rose and fell at the same time as homicides. So if I said that to you, would you think, oh, eating ice cream causes people to murder other people? No, that's not what that relationship means. But if we think about other factors, like ice cream sales are the highest in the summertime. That's a time when people are working less, children aren't in school, and overall people just have a lot more time on their hands. So in this case, in that case, you know, warm weather, the summer weather is a, what we call a confounding variable or it's something that influences or changes a relationship between two other variables. And I'll do a little bit more of an in-depth post on my Instagram page on confounding variables for anyone confused by that. But similarly, when we're talking about fat people being more likely to have diabetes or heart disease, there are a few things that could confound that relationship. We don't we can't necessarily say that that's a causal one, like, oh, you get fat and all of a sudden you have diabetes. That's not how that works. If you think about dieting, as I was saying earlier, you know, those cycles that people go through of dieting to lose weight and then gaining it back, that actually increases inflammation, which in and of itself is a risk factor for the diseases that we often link to weight. So this idea of chronic dieting, of eating disorders or, or decreased desires for exercise are all associated with weight stigmas and discrimination themselves so when we think about weight stigmas they can also affect how people interact with the healthcare system a 2015 study found that biases around fat people and healthcare professionals can lead to misdiagnosis or even completely missing a diagnosis it can even happen in thinner patients because the assumption is that they're healthier so they're less likely to look for some of the warning signs of some certain outcomes Heavier patients are also, you know, less likely to seek out medical care in general because of the fear of being mistreated or demonized for their weight, and they're less likely with, to comply with doctor's orders. A doctors can be very confrontational about weight, if we're being honest. There was a survey in 2014, it found that 36% of medical students believe that someone being fat was their fault, and 60% believe that fat, fat patients had no willpower, that they weren't able to make their own decisions. And there's, there's been stories of, you know, fat people going to the doctor for things like a broken arm. And instead of treating that broken arm, they get a lecture on why they need to lose weight and why their weight gain led to, you know, the broken arm. So just like when we talk about 
mistrust of the healthcare system from black, indigenous, and people of color, it's the same, this same stigma that leads to a mistrust from fat people or people who are just bigger in general. The reality is we make living as a fat person in this country very isolating. We make it very emotionally and mentally taxing. Even when fat people use words like call themselves fat, they get met with responses like, oh my God, no, you're beautiful. You look great. Don't talk about yourself like that. And it's like, did they say that they were unattractive or did they say that they were fat? And that's just how we, what we equate, like we equate fatness with being unattractive, with being undesirable. And I'm sure that there are people who are listening to this podcast and are like, why is she using fat and over and not overweight or some other word? And really think about that. If we use overweight to describe people who are heavier or whatever the case may be, that's implying that there's a normal weight to be and anyone who is over or under that is abnormal. And anytime you're um, responding or calling someone's body abnormal is extremely, it's just rude in general and it's feeding into this culture of fat phobia. And we really, like again, language is very important. I think that I highlighted that in my first podcast as well. But the language that you use to talk about people is very important because the language that you use implies something so when you say overweight it implies that you are abnormal your body size is not what we deem acceptable it is not what we deem normal and you actually want to know what one of my biggest pet peeves is i hate when i see either a fat girl or just a bigger girl with curves whatever the case may be posting a photo on instagram and i've had responses like this i've had people in my dms like this um And they post a photo and they might be wearing a little less clothing. They might be showing off their body in some way, or they might, they, it might just be a casual photo that they took. And people are in the comments saying, Oh, body positivity. We love it. You're so brave for posting this. Like why, why do we have to highlight someone's weight when they're not doing it themselves? Like unless someone is making a post about body positivity and they're trying to make a statement they're just existing. Posting a photo on Instagram is just existing. Do y'all ever see comments like that under skinny people's photos? I've never seen it. So again, this is contributing to making their lived experiences so emotionally and mentally taxing. I can only imagine what it feels like to be reading your comments and to always see comments like that or always comments questioning your weight, questioning your health. You don't know what people are eating. You don't know what they're doing. Just like if you see a skinny person on Instagram, you don't know that they're healthy. You assume that they are because they're skinny, but you don't know that. Something that also contributes to making, you know, living life as someone who is full-figured or fat or whatever the case may be so emotionally taxing is also television. I was watching um, Project Runway, or I should say rewatching because I've seen most of the episodes already but there was a new season that I hadn't seen yet and it was a season where they decided that they were going to bring on what they called plus size models and there's this one episode where one of the designers was freaking out because they got a model who at maximum had to be like a size eight and they were like oh my god I can't design for her she's so large like her her booty's just so big I can't get her measurements right and when I tell you I almost stopped watching the show right there 
but this isn't new, especially on model shows, on fashion shows. You know, I remember back in the day watching America's Next Top Model, and anytime they bring on a plus size model, even just what they defined as plus size, it might have been a girl who was relatively thin and then just had a booty, and they were like, she's plus size. This is so revolutionary that she's on this TV show. But their weight and their size was always a topic of conversation. And we have to think about the same way we have to think about representation and what that means. And then when we see that represent, representation, how are they depicted on the screen? I was also watching Moesha because that's on Netflix now. And I noticed in the first episode, they made fat jokes about Kim at least five times. Like, can we stop making fatness the themes of your jokes in TV shows, stand up, whatever the case may be? Especially if you yourself are not fat and you're not making jokes about yourself. Like, I, I understand that self-deprecating jokes are also problematic in a lot of ways because we sort of internalize feelings about ourselves, and then we joke about it to, you know, joke through the pain or whatever the case may be. But especially if you are not someone who's fat and you're making a joke of other people, it's not okay. They're not funny, honestly. I don't ever find jokes like that funny that are making fun of other people and how they live their life. And we really have to, again, embrace all different body types in all industries. We have to call it out when we see it on television. You have to call it out when we see it in the workforce. Call it out with your friends when your friends say something that's extremely fatphobic. When your friends are talking about their own body size and, you know, the way that they're talking about their bodies. Encourage people to embrace their bodies and to love their bodies in all of their stages. And honestly, just going back to the Project Runway and the American Sex Model, if you're a designer who can't design for someone who's a size 8, especially when the average size of a woman in the United States is like a 16 now, then you shouldn't be a designer. You just shouldn't. Because that means that you can't even design for what women really look like. You're designing for this old stereotype of what a model should look like. And the reality is most women are not built like that. So you should be able to have the range to design for all body types. But... That was just a little tangent, I guess. But what I've learned the most in addressing, you know, my own weight biases and what I think is really just important on a larger scale is to love my body in all of its stages. I'm still on my quote unquote fitness journey, but it's less about not wanting to be fat and more about just wanting to feel healthy. I feel my healthiest when I'm not overeating, when I have some form of physical activity in my schedule. It also helps to bring structure in my life. Just to, I, Sometimes I build my schedule around my workout, like I work out in the morning and then get things done. And I know I no longer restrict myself when it comes to you know eating snacks or things that, things that I like, although I probably should in some cases because I really do have a sweet tooth, like so much. I could eat sweets for days on end and nothing else. Um, and I still struggle with, you know, feelings about my body image. It is hard living in a world that places so much on values that they deem, on bodies that they deem valuable and attractive. And those bodies either don't look like mine or they're surgically enhanced to sort of look like mine. But even still, when we talk about surgery, there's a certain way that we like to see surgery, flat tummy, big booty, whatever the case may be. And my stomach is not flat. My thighs are big. You know, I have rolls and we really got to, we got to embrace that. That's one of the reasons why I love Aries so much, just on a quick tangent, because they have this, you know, real bodies in their ads. And what I mean by real bodies is just that they don't edit out rolls. They don't edit out um, stretch marks, all of that. And I just love that we're showing women in their authentic 
images. Like we don't need to edit photos to look a certain way. We don't need to only use one size woman in our campaigns. And to be honest, if you're still using Victoria's Secret underwear, I don't know what to tell y'all because their sizing isn't even right. So yeah, uh, switch to Airy. But anyways, thank y'all so much for listening. I hope that you learned at least a little bit of something about fat phobia and how it manifests and even just reckoning with some of your own biases that you might have. Um, and, and it's all about unlearning, you know, it's hard when society is telling you something, it might not even be something that you consciously recognize, but we have to be able to call ourselves out so that we can address the biases that we have. Um, but as always, any feedback or responses that you have are very welcome to encouraged. Again, I'm using them to really try to make this podcast as good as I can. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Thank you.